Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. The sermon today is Micah chapter 7, and this is the final sermon in the book of Micah. You might like to have the passage open and have a read of it before listening to the sermon. And today we are thinking about how God brings light from the darkness. Through the darkness of judgment comes the light of God's righteousness. But how does that happen? In this sermon we're going to think about how all of those things are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Just to remind you once again that there is more content available on the YouTube channel and we are thinking at the moment about who God is and God is infinite and this week we were looking at how God is infinitely powerful. So if that interests you that will be available on YouTube, not on the podcast unfortunately, just available on YouTube. And if you'd like to support Understand the Bible there's a link down below with more information about how you can do that. Thanks so much for listening everyone and I hope that you enjoy the sermon. I'll see you again next week. So um, you might be thinking at the, at the moment, you know, when will all of the, the problems in the world and the problems in society be sorted out? And that's a theme that we've sort of come back to um, from time to time as we've been going through Micah, haven't we? We've been thinking about when are all of these things actually going to be sorted out? You know, what do you do when all hope seems lost? And perhaps that's what you're feeling a little bit like at the moment. Um, you know, well, well, what, do we, what do we hope in? And that is really, I think, as we come to the end of Micah, I think that's what this passage is, is pointing us towards. It's pointing us towards the hope that we have when these things will be uh, sorted out. So it starts out with um, chapter 7, verse 1, what misery is mine and you think oh dear you know it's just another just another prophet isn't it talking about misery um, again um, but actually this is um, it, it is exactly what is happening as he says he says I'm like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard there's no grapes none of the, the figs that I crave so what what he says here is actually this is I think it's very clever he says there's no fruit he's looking for fruit in the people He's looking for the fruit of righteousness, for the, the goodness that God requires of, of his people. And he says there isn't any. And he uses the picture of, of gleaning and he says that there isn't any. And uh, you, you may remember from um, the book of Ruth, you know, that um, the people of Israel were to leave some uh, fruit, some of the, the crops in the field for those who didn't have anything to come and glean at the harvest time. And he says there's none of that. They just keep it all for themselves so I think it's, it's quite a clever it's like a double a double meaning there and he says then in, in verse 2 the faithful have been swept from the land not one upright person remains there's no righteousness left if you like everyone has turned to evil and to wickedness and he says there in, in verse 3 he says that um, uh, people are skilled but they're skilled in doing evil he says in verse, uh, verse 2, they hunt, but they, they lie in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other. They're hunting each other. And verse 4, he says, they're like briars or the most upright is, is worse than a thorn hedge. You know, it's got prickles and it's got thorns on. And that's how they, they treat one another. This is what, uh, what Micah is saying. Even, 
he says, even in verse 3, that uh, the judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They, they all conspire together. So the rich and the powerful, those in, in positions of authority, are simply shaping society according to how they want it, according to their own desires to, to suit them, to their own advantage. And then in, in verse 5 and, and 6, it's just a picture of, of even family relationships collapsing. It says, do not trust a neighbour, put no confidence in a friend, even with the woman who lies in your embrace. Um, a son dishonours his father and a daughter um, and so on. A man's enemies are the members of his own household. So it's a picture of the complete collapse of society, if you like, that, you know, that when people uh, are skilled, they're skilled in doing evil. And even a man's enemies are the members of his own household. Even households are enemies together. And I just, you know, this is the, um, the relevance, I think, of the prophets to today, because we see much of this happening today, don't we? You know, this is not something which is, you know, went on thousands of years ago. But this is something which is happening in today's world, isn't it? And I, for example, I mean, this is just one example. I'm sure you can think of many others. But I can think of, I think, virtually getting into double figures, numbers of couples who've separated over the past two or three years and of the division in families that there exists. You know, that is the world that we're living in. It's the complete collapse of society, really. And what Micah is talking about, I think, is very much finds its echo in today's uh, Great Britain and in, in today's world. It's what's, it's what's going on. And uh, we don't have time to go into all of the ins and outs of that. But I'm sure you can think of it. And why is this happening? It says in there in verse 4, The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm, now is the time of your confusion. Now I'm not sure whether this is saying that everything that's happening is a result of God's judgment or because of everything that's happening, God is going to come and visit them. I'm not, it could be both and it's probably got the sense of both. Um, but this is what he is saying, it is God's judgment one way or the other and that's what's coming upon them. But he says, verse 7, but as for me... I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Saviour. My God will hear me. So he says that, yes, God is coming to visit, but he says, I am watching and waiting in hope for, for God my Saviour. And that's interesting, isn't it? You know, God is coming in judgment. God is coming in salvation. Two different, two different sort of perspectives there. And you might like to, to reflect on that and think about that, but we'll come back to that in a moment. So this next, um, this next section, verses 8 to, uh, to, to 13, talk about how despite this, that actually the, there is hope for, uh, for Israel, for God's people. It says there in verse 8, Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. It says, though there is darkness, there is light as well. Darkness gives way to light. That's what, yeah, that's what he says. What's the cause of the darkness? 
It says, verse 9, because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath. So it's God's, God's anger, God's judgment against them, which is bringing this, this darkness. Uh, but, he says, until he pleads my case and upholds my cause, he will bring me out into the light. Saying that there is light through coming through the darkness, there will be light once again. And then there is this sort of complete reversal of their fortunes. Verse 10, it says, my enemy will see it, will be covered with shame. She who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. So there is a reversal that the ones who mocked and said, where is your God? It says they will be the ones who downfall. They will be the ones who are cast down in the end. And then in verses 11 to 13, it's a, um, it talks about Jerusalem, the, the, the day for building your walls will come, for extending your boundaries. All people will come to you from all over the earth. And it says, but the earth, verse 13, will become desolate because of its inhabitants as the result of their deeds. So it's saying that there is this, this reversal that God's people and God's place will be extended, will be built, will be kind of flourish. But it is the earth and its, its inhabitants who, who, who have done evil and wickedness who will be desolate. So it's this kind of reversal there going on. And then in verses 14 to 20, this final section, as it says, it's, it's prayer and praise. It's um, just a kind of a sort of hymn, if you like, asking God and praying to God. And there are two uh, images going on at the back of Micah's mind um, kind of going through. The first one is that of um, creation and Eden. As it says in verse 14, shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance um, in fertile pasture lands. You think about that, about God taking the man and placing him in the garden to work it and take care of it. You know, to, it will be that kind of picture of the, um, you know, the place where God dwells and where there is plenty and when there is abundance and where there is, um, you know, where man can work and do good work. And also the other, the other image going on there is um, the image of the Exodus. It says in verse 15, as in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. So it's talking about the creation on one hand and also the Exodus when God brought his people out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And so that's why we have that echo again, verse 17, they will lick dust like a snake. You think about when we last saw a snake in the Bible and of course Genesis chapter 3, it was in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? That's what he's, he's referring to. And uh, he says, um, verse uh, 16, says the people, the nations, will be deprived of all their power. And in uh, verse 19, you will uh, hurl our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And you think about what happened to Pharaoh's, to Pharaoh, to the, to the Egyptians. They were deprived of their power. They couldn't stop the Israelites from coming out of Egypt. And the, Israelite, uh, the, the, the Pharaoh's army, the Egyptian army, were drowned in the heart of the sea. That's, uh, I think, what it's referring to. So really what this is talking about, this final section here, and I know that we've talked about some quite big things. I wish we'd have more time to sort of go into all of this because there's a lot you could say and we found this all the way through Micah. But it says, verse 20, the final section, 
You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. This is saying that God will fulfill all of his promises. That's what Micah is saying. God is going to fulfill all of the promises that he made through the Old Testament, especially to, to Abraham and to the people of, of Israel. Now, how is this all fulfilled? And of course, you know, we know now, looking, looking back as Christians, we know that this is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ, don't we? That every single part of this is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Let me just give you a few ways that this is fulfilled in Jesus. It talks about, uh, verse 14, in shepherding your people. As Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You know, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the fulfillment of this, this promise. Uh, Jesus saves us from sin. As it says in you know, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, you know, the angel says to Joseph, you, know, you shall call his name Jesus, which means saviour, for he will save his people from their sins. That's, that's what Jesus came to do, to save his people from their sins. And he delivers us from God's wrath. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, Jesus Christ who rescues us from the coming wrath. So Jesus rescues us from the judgment to come. And he changes our hearts. He gives us uh, new hearts to do what is good and right. Um, so it says uh, again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 to 13, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you'll be blameless, blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So he, he gives us new hearts. He fulfills that promise. And he leads us into the new creation. He leads us into the promised new world, which will be like Eden, where there's no sin and when there is no evil when there is no curse anymore and we looked at that in, in revelation so all of god's promises are fulfilled in jesus and there's there's more we could go into but every single one of god's promises fulfilled in jesus christ and this is why we see things differently now looking back to to micah because micah could only see things distantly you know he, he didn't know exactly what was coming. He could only see things from a distance, but we can look back at what Micah was saying and we can see how things that Micah was promising were fulfilled and are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You know, that the sin and the punishment that he talks about, it's done in Jesus Christ, isn't it? It is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the darkness that he talks about, the darkness of, of that, that punishment for sin, that happened to Jesus on the cross when he died. And then when he rose to new life, the resurrection brought light out of darkness. And that is the fulfillment of everything that Mike is talking about, the punishment for sin and the new life. And that is, when you read it with that perspective, it really starts to make sense. Perhaps that might be something that you might like to do later. But let's finish by, um, let me ask you a couple of questions, a few things to think about as we come to the end of Micah. 
let's just think about one or two, uh, one or two things that we can bring this back to us. I think the first thing is to, to think about ourselves. And I'd like to ask each of us, you know, to think about the question of, are we in Christ? Because as we've just seen, Jesus is the answer to all of these problems, to the problem of sin and judgment, and who can bring new life and light out of darkness. But it is those who are in Christ who will, who will receive that light, and not be judged. As it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's something which I think we need to, to think about ourselves and think, well, am I in Christ? Am I following Jesus? You know, have I turned from, uh, repented of my sin? Have I turned to Christ and turned to him every day for forgiveness and for new life? As um, I was saying at the start, that's what we do here as we take the bread and the wine. It is actually turning away from sin, turning to Christ. And something we need to do regularly, not just once, but something we do day by day. Does he make a difference to our lives? The second thing is, are we proclaiming the hope of Christ? Because those who believe and trust in Jesus should have hope. And there's a verse in, in 1 Peter which says, always be prepared to, to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I think that, you know, if we are living with hope in Christ, we should be, uh, people should see the hope that we have and see that, you know, we don't despair about the darkness in the world because we know there is a hope, the hope of the nations, and that is Jesus Christ. So, you know, do we proclaim it? Do people know where our hope is? Do people know that, particularly as we come up to Christmas, and that's something which I think is a real opportunity um, and we'll, we'll just finish with this. But, um, you know, the, as we said, that the hope of Micah is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This is what, for example, it says in um, Luke chapter 2. This is um, Simeon's song. It's well-known words, which we often have at Christmas or just after Christmas, actually. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And I think that is the, the wonderful opportunity that we have at Christmas, isn't it? To actually proclaim that message that in the darkness of this world, that there is a hope, and there is a hope who was born into this world 2,000 years ago. There is a light to the nations, and we believe and trust in him. And we can share that light and that hope with our friends, with our neighbours, with those who, who come into the church, um, whoever it may be. And we can pray and be asking God that he would cause many people to see the light of that hope over this, this, coming, uh, this coming few weeks. And I think the light shines in the darkness and that's something which uh, the darkness of the world actually just makes the light shine brighter, doesn't it? And I think that's something which we can pray for this, this coming Christmas, that you know, the solution that God has given to the darkness in the world has come, Jesus has come, and that we pray that many people would see that light and, and believe. And so let's, uh, let's pray and let's ask God for his help as we, as we think about these things. So Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks that you have sent Jesus the light of the world 
uh, to lighten our darkness. We pray that you would help us to uh, have that hope in him and to hold out that hope um, in our own lives and that, that many people would see that and would see the hope of Jesus Christ and believe. And especially, Lord, we pray that this, uh, this coming year, this coming um, Advent and Christmas time, that uh, many people who come into the church and perhaps our friends and neighbours, those we know and love, would uh, see uh, clearly the hope in Jesus Christ and seek him and turn to him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.